Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Asian Pop Nation. It's been a while. We've had a few themed shows the past two weeks. We had our motivation dance party last week, and then the week before we had our games night. But we're back for a relatively normal show. I hope you didn't miss us too much. The song you just heard was Apex's Lockdown, in fact, their debut single. And before that was Sunkiss Love by LOL. I'm the executive producer of Asian Pop Nation, Senya. You're going to be hearing from myself, Aaron, John Paul, Celeste, and Ben tonight. And tonight we're going to be talking about all the things we missed the past two weeks. That includes the controversial last season of Kim's Convenience, the famous Korean-Canadian sitcom. We're also going to talk a little bit about what seems to be the end of Japan's gaming arcades. But for now, we're going to pick it up with a song by Yugyeom from GOT7 featuring Davida called I Want You Around because we want you around here at Asian Pop Nation. So keep on listening and start the party with this one. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played was Yugyeom's I Want You Around featuring Davida. After that was Yu Sheng's And the song you just heard then was NCT 127's and Amoeba Culture's Save. Because something that the BTS army has definitely been saving up for is the new BTS meal. Well, relatively new, but countries around Asia have started to get their hands on the highly anticipated meal, and our team has a little bit to say about that and how Asian celebrities seem to be getting their hand in the brand ambassador industry. All right, so there's been an increase in Asian celebrity ambassadors for luxury brands or just many international brands in general, as you haven't noticed already. And I believe it sort of marks this societal move away from, you know, picking stars that meet traditional Hollywood standards of beauty. And I was reading an article on the, I think, South China Morning Post about how some experts believe that the pandemic is one of the reasons why we're seeing a move away from Caucasian-centric advertising, since a lot of brands kind of see Chinese customers as important to their advertising in the luxury brand industry. And additionally, more than a dozen stores of this particular fast food outlet has been temporarily shut down in Indonesia. Quite a few of their stores have been shut down because of COVID fears, particularly since the new BTS meal has sparked a lot of purchasing. And a lot of ARMY members, if you haven't noticed also online, are actually buying BTS meal packaging so that they can create shrines dedicated to to the BTS meal and to BTS themselves. So just kind of wondering, is this something that any of you are particularly interested in? If there's an artist or a celebrity that you like, do you t- typically buy their goods? Do those people resell the packaging? I'm curious. Yes. <laughs> yes? Oh Short answer, God. yes. Well, like, I've seen people post it to sell sell to other people and it's like ridiculous prices whether people actually buy them or not i'm not sure about that and like these are like used packages that had food in them inside before right yeah Yeah. oh my god that's crazy (laughs) some people are into that yeah yeah. i kind of wonder whether it's someone's out there trying to buy packaging from every country because i'm wondering if they're slightly different 
Oh, they're all the same. It's、uh, just because I've had the meal. Some places in the world, you don't get some of the packaging, and it's kind of、oh. disappointing. But at the same time, I don't really care. What am I going to do with the packaging? Like, <laughs> really? But has anyone bought anything because a celebrity sort of promoted it, or is it more out of curiosity? No, really, no. I haven't bought anything from fast foods, like promotes from artists and all that stuff. No. Is there any like celebrities that you would trust? If they recommended something to you, <laughs> I'm not sure about that part. To be honest, I don't know myself because I feel with any celebrity promotion, it's more about what they're promoting than what they're doing. I wouldn't necessarily just buy it because it's attached to a celebrity. How about you, Ben? Have you done anything、um, like that before? Not really, but like I would have wanted to get like the the Travis Scott meal, but from what I understand, that wasn't made available in Australia. But I mainly just would. Wanted that for the meme because the BTS meal has like exclusive dipping sauces, but the Travis Scott meal is just like a medium meal with like bacon and Sprite, so it's something that you can just get on its own. Yeah, I guess that's the disappointing part. It's not like a sort of a kids meal where you don't get a, a toy. <laughs> you see, in my case, I would only buy it if the meal in in itself was really cool. Like if it was just a boring normal meal, like being promoted by a celebrity, I like I, I'd be a little uh, uh, I don't care, right? Yeah. But let's say not really a celebrity, but a famous figure. You know Junji Ito, the horror manga artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine like chicken chicken nuggets themed after his work. Like for example, a spiral, right? Like a really creepy spiral with a face at the end. Like that as a chicken nugget, I would buy and I would eat it. And I would have pleasure just from ill,、uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, right?、Mm. Like the wait, meal itself say, has to be cool. Wait, did you say spiral or spiral? Spiral.、Oh. You know, you know, Junji Ito. He wrote that manga about the the spirals, and everyone turned into spirals. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. To be honest, <laughs> well, but I guess could... yeah, like the Attack on Titan <laughs> meal that they did a while back. Oh, they, they had, did that. that one. I think they had like black buns for the burgers or something、oh, like that. Oh, really? Yeah,、That's、and that、cool. was yeah, that was pretty interesting. A bit different. So. Yeah, I understand why you want to buy it if it was more related to the work. Yeah, it has to be cool. Yeah, so I guess to this particular fast food outlet, maybe, <laughs> or to any other brands that want to liven it up with a celebrity ambassador, take some of our advice. <laughs> But if you have actually tried the BTS meal or want to share your thoughts on whether you would buy anything from a particular celebrity, do let us know. We're on Facebook.com/slash. Asian Pop Nation, and also on Twitter and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation. We just played a row of three back-to-back songs, a triple threat, as you might say. The first song was "Peacock" by Tokyo Incidents. It's a song from their newest LP, Ongaku, also known as Music. After that was "You" by Ring, and the last one you heard was the theme song for the Miku Expo online this year, and that was "Highlight." By Kira, featuring the legend Vocaloid singer herself, Hatsune Miku. But we'll talk a little bit more about that right now. So the the Miku Expo、um, online 2021 took place on on um streaming services on on the seventh, and basically what it was just like a, a virtual concert with live footage of of the band performing and um 3D models of Miku and. And friends like dancing and stuff. 
So um, it's like a virtual console, that virtual concert that went for um, about 16 songs. And there's like other things, uh, parts of a Miku Expo too, like um, they had streams of, of like other like famous Vocaloid producers um, playing like sets. And if you go onto the Miku Expo online website, they have other things like um, like galleries and stuff that you can still check out. Um, I, I wanted to, to catch the live stream, but I forgot about it. But thankfully it's been re-uploaded. So um, you can just look it up and, and watch it for anyone who's interested. But um, from what I've seen of it, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Like, I think they are, um, I think it is, like, um, the actual band doing original, like, re-recordings of the songs. So, Ben, you said this was a virtual concert, right? Yeah. Yeah, and with, like, Hatsune Miku, like, dancing in front of the band members and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, I freaking love virtual concerts. You have no idea. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, um... It's probably like the closest thing I'll get to like getting to see an actual like Katsune Miku concert for for the time being since um there's never been one in Australia or New Zealand. Um, like no, it's very it's still very much uh, honestly not even an Asian thing. It's just Japan. Like, yeah, well, just um, doing this stuff. Well, like, what do you think? Like, would you would you go see a Miku concert in in Australia? Because I think there is like a a market for it here. Listen, man, with all the lockdowns and the COVID stuff going on, I think there might come a time where virtual concerts are the only choice. Mm. Yeah, what do you think, Zanya? You're going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say that I'm not the biggest fan of Hatsune Miku. I do like some songs. And I agree with Ben. It's She's one of those characters where even if you're not within the anime community, you probably have heard of her or recognize her. But I personally, I would like virtual concerts, especially since COVID has been a hindrance with any kind of in-person gathering. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think perhaps artists, no matter whether they're virtual or, or not, can actually take a few things perhaps from what they do at Hatsune Miku concerts as a way of improving that experience. Like you said, JP, about the glass. <laughs> yeah, it's so sick. Oh, my God. Make it look like they're, yeah. Yeah, like legit. It's like if you if you actually go to those concerts live, like you're you're with all these people, right? And on the stage, like the hologram, it looks like there's an actual character dancing yeah. over there, and it's the most surreal thing. Like it's some Twilight Zone stuff. Mm. Forget what I mean. Celeste, would you be open to like watching your favorite like K-pop bands or whatever in this weird virtual way? You've done it before, haven't you, Celeste? Paid to see a virtual concert? But not well, like it's this online, kind. but yeah. like you see the mm. actual faces, not cartoons and stuff. But something oh, right. I would love to see as a virtual concert is KDA, the um was it girl group that was made for League of Legends? Yeah, yeah, the League of Legends one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they had a really good music video and I want to see them perform with that and then have the actual artists come in <laughs> as well. It would be yeah, great. They sick. I think I remember hearing they did do that at some point. I don't know. Oh, yeah. like, look it up. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I think they did do a performance with some of the artists, but mm-hmm. they didn't have the characters on screen or like what they showed on YouTube was just added afterwards as um, CGI effects. Uh, so I'd love to see just them real life just yeah jamming yeah. <laughs> like like the virtual character is jamming with the actual you know in in the flesh artists yeah, yeah that'd that be great sick. yeah 
Aaron, is there is there any like music group or just any entity you'd want seen as a virtual concert? I'm not sure to be honest. I never understood the concept of virtual concert. Being honest. Oh come on, man! They're so cool. It's like a hologram, dude, and it's like cartoon characters dancing. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't see the point. You just basically you just see them inside of like say a screen, which is basically a laptop or a computer or phone, maybe looking at. And you just see them like dance around all that stuff, and especially also on cons as well. But that's best as like VR and stuff. Graphic, mm. whatever. So I just I don't see the point of it really. But otherwise, if I had to shoot someone, uh, probably. I'm gonna rough. I'm probably gonna have a little yelling. This probably Yoko Kano, maybe. Yoko Kano, interesting. Is that, is that, is that he's NCK or Yuki Kijiro Yoko Kano? Yoko Kano just came from the top of my head. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's a composer. Yeah. Yeah, the anime woman. Yeah, she's cool. She's cool. I'd like to see people perform her work. Actually, thought of someone. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of Honeyworks. That name yeah. sounds familiar. C- yeah, please same. explain to me. They're I don't know what they are. I just like their music, but um, they okay. their music videos are all like um, animated sort of stories. So I don't think I don't know who performs behind them. So it'd be mm. cool to sort of see. That, that's another Vocaloid producer. Ah, yes, that would make sense. So I'd love to see their work because. I like. I think perhaps their songs the most out of the Vocaloid. I know. But Ben, what a, something you also mentioned in the past was uh, other virtual conventions. Because I know not all of us, like Aaron, are fond of the sort of virtual concerts. But what are some other things that are taking place? Um, there's um, there's like a few like a lot of virtual events um from like last year and and this year. But um, to like you know like anime um the anime conventions um are like there's um there's two virtual anime conventions this year that have also been also took place last year is um anime expo light which will be on the july 4th weekend and virtual crunchyroll expo in august i don't know if you want to look them up but like last year i checked them out a bit just to mainly just to see like the artist alley but I don't really remember much more of them, so like I'm, I'm glad that they're running them again um, that this ye- this year um, until they can like return to in person events because so I want to check out them. I want to um, try like you know check out more of like the whole like um, event like with, with like checking out more panels and stuff, and um, like, I'll give my thoughts on them more um, after AX Light has happened. So that I just wanted to um, advertise them for now. Mm. I wanted to kind of ask, though, with even just anime conventions in general, is it best to go to one in Japan or are the ones here in Australia still as good? Um, I wouldn't know because I've never gone to one in Japan, but I do know that I have read in a book that, um, like, you're, I think in Japan you're not um, allowed to wear your cosplay outside of the the convention area like you have to go there and then once you're inside then then you change from your regular clothes and your cos cosplay so it's so that would make it a bit less convenient your enjoyment would also depend on whether or not you know japanese (laughs) so (laughs) that's the goal right enough japanese to understand like a panel yeah nihongo (laughs) jozu yeah but I think virtual con- conventions perhaps is a bit more accessible to everyone, especially if there are people or people's work that you admire overseas, but perhaps wouldn't come to a convention like here in Australia. I'm yet to go to a convention though. Maybe this year. We'll see. 
yeah, I'd recommend checking out the virtual conventions because, you know, even though like um, vir virtual events obviously aren't the same as the, um, as like in-person thing, the in-person events, like if, if the only, like, if the only other option is nothing, I think um, like the virtual events are, are, are definitely like preferable. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are planning to go to a virtual convention or would love to see Miku Expo or a Miku concert here in Australia, you can let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can DM us at Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played in that row here at Asian Pop Nation was Magic Touch by King and Prince. After that was Marke or Mark by Blair Wang. And the last song we heard was Mirai by Larkin Seal. Now, Murai means future in Japanese, and it seems like the future isn't too far away, with virtual assistants getting virtual, well, buddy. So the internet right now is going crazy over Samsung's rejected virtual assistant named Sam. Wow, how creative. Anyway, <laughs> Sam, basically for listeners who don't know what she looks like, she's basically this nice looking woman with like, you know, yeah. dark brown hair, you know, shoulder length split in the middle. She has this cool looking like black shirt on and has these really stylish blue pants. jeans. Yeah. No, they're not jeans. They're like pants, but also work kind pants. of a skirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah blue okay. work pants. Yeah. Cool looking blue work pants and some nice penny loafers for shoes. Pretty stylish and simple looking. She was not intended to be a actual like virtual assistant that you'd have on your phone. She was actually supposed to be like the company's service team as like a chatbot. You know how you go on the website, my phone exploded, how do I fix it? And then a chatbot responds to you. That's basically what she was supposed to be. So originally she was scrapped. So she wasn't actually going to be implemented as an actual thing. But now that literally everyone on the internet is worshipping her as a goddess, Samsung is reconsidering. So are any of you scared with like this new age of virtual waifus? Um, it's an interesting direction, but if it gets attention, I suppose it works. Mm. I mean, saying, as long as you're not going to marry it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Celeste, I've got bad news for you. There are oh. lots of people out there. I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> Marry Sam, does that mean no one else can? I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. The legalities surrounding this is very... Uh, it's in the gray zone right now. Uh, Aaron, did you know about this before no, <laughs> this I segment? Didn't. No, I didn't know anything about it until now, to be honest. You didn't know? What kind of conflicted feelings are you feeling right now? This is going to be Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew Armageddon is already here. I can feel it already. It seems to me this general movement towards just virtual waifus in general has been taking quite of them. Um, it's snowballed quite a bit. What bearing do you think this has on like the future of Asian entertainment or just Asian media in general? Just like the increased use of virtual representatives. It's not that we like they're weird in a essence is that we make it weird <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i think it makes it a bit more personal having like a virtual assistant with an image of like mm -hmm. this is what you kind of imagine or who you imagine you're talking to right but it just becomes weird when everyone decides to <laughs> <laughs> worship yeah make her sort of some romantic figure but i think it's pretty cool how people have started i think cosplaying as her it's, not too hard to cosplay her honestly no so, exactly yeah. but halloween costume but 
I always look forward to like the creative ways that the internet tries to, <laughs> to take these sort of new initiatives. The, the interesting and more entertaining like memes and not necessarily the other side mm. <laughs> of what interesting could mean. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Celeste, Aaron, any hot opinions? I think I prefer virtual assistants that don't have faces to them. They're just like a random icon. So... For example, mm. Siri, because right, every time yeah. Siri accidentally pops up, I just like tell it to shut up. Whereas <laughs> 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 if I see a face, I think I would just get more mad. Like if yeah. face pops up and has like it's like kind and stuff, and I just don't, I'm not in the mood for it. Yeah. Now you have something to attach your rage to. Yeah. <laughs> but wasn't like the internet's wife before Sam came along, like Lady? Dimitrescu from yeah, Lady Dimitrescu, this really tall lady from uh Was it Evil? Yeah. 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 Why uh why do you bring her up? It's just that I saw a lot of memes about how, you know, she's been moved aside and replaced with Sam. But yeah. I'm still confused as to why they were just deemed to be the internet's kind of next love interest. People just like waifus. And I think um What are the characteristics like, of a waifu then? Uh, I don't know. Pretty personality. <laughs> Pretty can stomp you if she wants to. It changes on a daily basis. (laughs) You got to keep up with the internet. (laughs) A mix of sweet and kind of scary. Sweet and scary. Yeah, basically. The whole discourse around Lady Dimitrescu is because she was basically, I can't believe I'm saying this on radio, but like she was like the big mommy GF of the internet. Yeah. So there's like a weird edible element to that too. Uh, read up on Freudian and Jungian theory if you want to learn more about that. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> if you have any hot opinions on um, virtual assistants in general, just like in the wake of this whole Samsung Sam thing, let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, the end times are coming. Watch out. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. The first song we played in that row of back-to-back songs was Gomenne Fingers Crossed by Nogazaki46. After that was B.I.'s Ila Ila. And the last song you heard was Ryokuo Shoku Shakai's Zuto Zuto Zuto. Now, Zuto in Japanese, we seem to be finishing off with a few Japanese songs here tonight. Well, Zuto means forever. And we're going to talk about something we hope lasts forever, but at the moment, its future is questionable. And that is Japanese video game arcades. So let's take it away. So, over the decades, Japanese gaming arcades have uh, faced many challenges. Uh, they're us- I mean, originally, they were the go-to place for high-tech video games. Everyone was into it. But um, now with COVID and this whole virus going on, it's sadly declined quite a bit. And, you know, even before COVID, it had, it's, it had already been uh, going down. And with the pandemic, it's uh, gone down quite a lot. So around 1986, there are around 26,000 arcades around Japan. And around now, uh, at least since 2019 in Japan, there are only 4,000. So quite a steep decline. Um, a lot of the classic games we know, Space Invaders, yada yada, uh, they all exploded from Japan around late 1970s. And uh, nowadays, they're kind of places that you just go to for nostalgia and for memories. But honestly, still dying. Pretty sad. <laughs> On yeah. that note, anyone here? Do any of you have good memories of arcades in general? Does um, tons of fun count? 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no? it gives me a bitter taste in my mouth. Tons of fun. You know, that's basically children's gambling mm-hmm. place. So it's like the Reddit G version of gambling. Yeah, it's rated G gambling. But I mean, Zania, tons of fun. When was a like? When was the first time? Uh, I don't remember because it's just kind of been a staple growing up in Australia in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would say most of my memories aren't really from playing the games itself, mm. but going to some of their like laser tag or bumper car. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, games with friends. So. Because yeah, yeah. remember, I think it was for our celebration day in year 12. We went to tons of fun. Oh, I think I did. Did you come? Maybe. I don't know. I forgot. Because there was like rock climbing. Oh. That was fun. But yeah, not really for perhaps the same arcade games that you would at a Japanese arcade. Yeah. Japanese arcades, they're more so like, you know, good old classic arcade games. You know what I yeah. mean? You have Street Fighter and Tekken. Uh, now and then you have like the, the one of those Gundam arcade games you can go to. I went on one of those when I went to Japan. It was so sick. Oh my <laughs> god! Like you had you had two joysticks on the side, and then you had a pedal and it controlled like and you controlled a Gundam. Yeah, basically. Like you know how Evangelion, everyone keeps on calling Shinji like a pussy because you know he's always crying all the time. Oh, I don't want to get in the robot. I understand him now. <laughs> I terrifying like <laughs> to go on the robot it's terrifying dude um but i mean yeah celeste do you have any um arcade memories <laughs> um depends on the memory or like what sort of arcades you're talking about so if you're talking about like space invaders no all <laughs> oh, right yeah no no that's too old i mean you're talking I, about I, like yeah. The games where there were like deal or no deal or hungry hippos, where you like, yeah, oh, yeah. Stuff. yeah. and yeah, those were super fun. But at the same time, like, I'm okay with them dying out only because of like, we always live for nostalgia and they'll always come back at some point in our lives. Yeah. It always revives one way or another. There's actually yeah. quite a few places in Melbourne you can go to with the old arcade games like Space Invaders and Pac Man. Mm. Aaron, any any memories? Uh, I used to have fun when the, um, the race car ones in the arcades. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Can't imagine damage to seat at one point. <laughs> how did you do that? Wait, what? You know how, like, they have, like, those um extended bars, like, you move your seat forward and backwards all the time? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I kind of did a little bit too much. Right. <laughs> did, did you own up to it, or did you just, like, well, that was fun and walked away? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> This was, I was like roughly like probably 13 at the time, maybe 14. I was, this is like able like, hey, I get to go out wherever I can go now. I'm in high school. I don't care anymore. I'm not <laughs> restricted my parents. Yeah. Uh, you did the perfect crime. Yep. Ben, any any memories from you? Like, I'm quite a fan of um, arcade culture, and mm. um, luckily in in Melbourne, there's there's um at least two arcades I can think of that are like um visiting because they have they actually have some like Japanese arcade rhythm games from like mm-hmm. from Konami and Sega and stuff that are pretty cool to play like the arcade because like nowadays a lot of arcade games get ported to consoles or they just start out as console games and get arcade ports but um a lot of these japanese rhythm games are um only like really like arcade exclusive like a lot of the dance dance revolution games um because the they used to get like ported to PlayStation Two, but now they don't. So the only way to play um DDRA is at is at arcades, and so I think that's um I always like um 
playing um, playing the the Japanese rhythm games. Um, and that's why I like having you know Hatsune Miku Future Tone on the PS4 because like that's one that I I'd love to see um, love to play in person at, at an arcade, but at least I can play it at home. But um, there's also like some that I I remember from my childhood. Like, has anyone played Bishibashi at the arcade? That's no, the I one. haven't. No, no. That's yeah, it's the one that has like the three big buttons are like red, green, and blue, and they're just like mini games that just they're just played by like smashing the buttons and smashing the buttons like a like smashing that like button. Oh and, wait, uh, wait, hold up! And three, like destroy your buttons, palms. right? Different colors. Yeah. yeah, it's like destroys your palms, but they're, they're like fun games. Uh, I think and, I might have um, played this once in my childhood. And um, more recently, they've come out with a a new version of the game that that I can you can find in um in one of the arcades in Melbourne that I've I've played for a bit and um so I'd recommend like checking out Eva if you can um and then there's also this other um there's this other like arcade in Chinatown that sadly no longer exists because it's been it shut down a while sh- shut down like a few years ago but um that that was a good one because it had like games like like um beat mania and taiko no tatsujin which sadly you can't find in melbourne anymore but you know, at least taiko no tatsujin you can have on at home but yeah you know, like i still miss that arcade like i miss every every day i cry every time yeah that's um it's about it just I had a lot, a lot to say about like arcades and stuff. Cause like, I hope they, like, I hope, um, you know, arcades, um, like still survive to stomach extent. Cause, you know, I hope they don't like die, die, but the end, um, like, you know, people vote with the, their wallets, like if they want to keep arcades alive, like honestly, in terms of like trying to revive arcades, my radical plan to keep it alive is to make everyone poor. Like, I swear. Okay, no, listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Celeste, Zania, I know you're like, you got these confused faces, but hear me <laughs> out. Okay. All right. Here in Australia, no one gives a crap about arcades, right? Because especially with how we move around, we move around by train or move around by car. And um, especially with mobile phones as well. Right. All of our entertainment is just here. Right. And our Internet is like fast, maybe not super fast, but like it's still decent. Right. But I remember it last time I went to the Philippines. Whenever you go to a mall, there's an arcade there all the yeah. time. Yeah, and you right. go. In, yeah. You go into the arcade. There are all these kids playing them. And it's, it's so cool. Like I remember I went into this one arcade and there was um there were a bunch of Tekken arcade cabinets. Like it was crazy. Like you had the old, like the really old Tekken games. And then you had the newer Tekken games from like the past decade. And I played against this one kid. I got smashed so bad. Anyway, um, as, has anyone else seen this old, like really old, like YouTube video of like somewhere in like Taiwan or somewhere that had like, like a pop in music arcade machine that was playing like guitar hero Two. Like there's just like a really like specific thing I remember, but like that's no, no, I haven't seen it. But like you know, here's the thing, right? With countries where people aren't as like super rich, where people are more likely to carry coins around with them, that's where arcades thrive, right? Because like especially with kids in those places, right? They don't get like super big allowances. Sometimes they only get you know maybe a few coins to play with, right? That's where they go to spend those coins to play the arcades. I don't know. That it's they're paid cards on... nowadays. Like they don't have coins. Most arcades don't have coins no more. It's just prepaid cards. Yeah, that's that's true around here. Celeste, you were gonna say though. 
I was gonna argue that um, with like how much does it cost for an arcade to play an arcade game in the Philippines compared to here? I'm pretty sure it'd probably be so much cheaper in the Philippines. Yeah, because in Australia you're paying like two two dollar coins. Yeah, you have to shove in, and it's like just too expensive for a small game. Like if it was down to like twenty cents. I would be popping those coins. <laughs> yeah, it depends <laughs> though. It depends though, because in the Philippines, you don't you don't um, directly put your coins in. You actually exchange them for arcade coins. So I'm not oh, sure yeah. what. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rate is, but like it's hella cheap. It's I think in the Philippines much cheaper than there. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's it's relative, I guess. But you get my point. You mm. know, it's like base- take the phones away. Take the phone, yeah. destroy everyone's phones. And like, if kids are going to be entertained, you go to an arcade. And like, especially, I've heard a lot of stories about this. I'm super into fighting games, as you like heard before, you know, Tekken. Wow, oh, it's so cool. But online, it's so boring. Like when you play Tekken again, or like if any fighting game online against a random stranger, you don't know, you don't feel anything. Like they could be doing the most annoying things and you just get pissed because you don't know who this guy is. But like, if you're on the arcade, you can get pissed at that person in person. <laughs> it's so fun. It feels so good, man. Like, I'll tell you another little memory I formed. So it was around the same day I got my ass beat by the kid, right? And uh, I think one of their friends, they were fighting against him as well, right? And they were using a character I knew and they were getting their ass beat. But then I leaned over to their shoulder and I told them, hey, do this, do this button input, you'll, you'll smash him. Like you'll destroy him and then he Aww. did it felt so good that's how you make friends we need to bring bring arcades back destroy all the phones uh but just destroy it online multiplayer yeah just destroy leave it online local. multiplayer god it makes, <laughs> it's, it makes you so like pissed that's how it is but like when it's in person at least you get to be pissed together why did i feel like i was just listening to a shonen ending story well, that's because I'm going to be the president. Uh, vote for me for president, and we will bring arcades back. Right. Yeah. What about have presidents here? But like, but but what about local multiplayer? I don't know, man. I don't know. But once I'm president, uh, we'll figure that out. So, if you have any opinions or any memories about arcades in general, any nice little nostalgic memories, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear everything you have to say. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played in that triple threat of songs was Chung Ha and Cold Is, My Lips Like Warm Coffee. After that was N Flying's Moonshot. And the last song you heard was Patrick Braska featuring Mo Tsai Young's Cold. Because the latest season and final season of Kim's Convenience has got a bit of a cold shoulder from some of the actors. But let's hear the full story, shall we? So for anyone who has seen the hit Canadian sitcom Kim's Convenience, you might know that it's now at its final season and it's had a a bit of a a bittersweet ending as some of the actors from the sitcom have actually spoken about the show's poor approach to depicting Korean Canadians. This is their words, not not mine, but co-stars Simu Liu and Jin Yoon said that the writer's room lacked diverse voices, the production team was overwhelmingly white and the storylines were overtly racist. And even though the actors were of Asian heritage, they were kind of frustrated that the writer's room didn't allow them to have much creative input. Simu Liu, who's also going to be starring in uh, upcoming Asian star-studded Marvel film, said that he was kind of frustrated with the way that his character was being portrayed 
because it seems like the characters never really seem to grow. And he said that he kind of remains fixated on the missed opportunities to show Asian characters with real depth and the ability to sort of grow and evolve. And he also said that the producers were sort of overwhelmingly white and being cast as Asian Canadians who, and being Asian Canadians who had plethora of lived experience to draw from. He could have offered them to the writers, but I guess... Say la vie. So what do you guys think? Do you think it's important to have Asian representation in all stages of a story about Asian people? Or do you think it's okay? Because I believe one of the writers was South Asian and she sort of posted on social media saying how she was proud to have worked on this show from the first season to now. So, you know, what's everyone's thoughts on that? I think it's probably um, less the identity of the of the actual person and more so like their actual experience or like the stuff they know in their head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, my brain my brain just cut off. But yeah, it's um it's it's difficult, especially difficult to write a story from a viewpoint that you don't really know. So when it comes to those sorts of situations, you're better off getting someone that actually knows that stuff. Either someone that's researched really well or someone that's actually gone through whatever story you're writing. Celeste, you're going to say something, right? Uh, I was going to say that I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that the production team was, as I said, overwhelmingly white. It's just, as Similia pointed out, was that they'd voice certain things that they thought would be interesting to include within the story, but they were completely ignored, which I think is the problem there. So, so it just comes down to make better writing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and listening <laughs> to the people you are writing about, which is uh, so important. Aaron, what's your thoughts? Everyone should be treated equally. That's all I can say. But at the same time, it's about the personal experience of Journey. Like you said as well, from the first season, everyone had the best time of their life. Then the finale, everyone just had mixed reception. It all depends on like how they view things and stuff. So people should be just treated equally. That's it. Same amount of respect, same amount of positivity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. They should make a complaint about it. But at the same time, something needs to be done about it. Yeah. I don't know if I listened right, but you said they enjoyed the previous seasons and they had fun. Oh, no, this was one of the writers yeah. who uh-huh. was who didn't make any direct comments to what some of the co-stars have said about mm-hmm. the final season, but mm-hmm. just wanted to post and say thank you to all the people who were on the writing team mm-hmm. and that she was quite happy with the final product and will be sort of always proud of what they've achieved together right okay yeah so i think it's very important to sort of listen to the people as you said celeste that you're writing about but i think it's just a more open attitude to listening that's probably needed where like doing the research is so important being able to consult someone who has experienced similar stories or have Similar experience is so important as well. But yeah, I guess it's only a case of making mistakes until we eventually get it right. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. But yeah, so if you've seen Kim's Convenience, unfortunately none of us have really seen it in much much detail. But if you want to let us know what you thought about the final season, if you've been following along with the show, you can let us know at facebook.com forward slash Nation. We're also... Uh, Asian Pop Nation on Twitter and Instagram and you can 
give us your thoughts there. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played was Vanilla, the debut single from Lightsome. After that was Hikaru Utada's Pink Blood. And the last song you heard was the solo debut of Yuchi from G Idol called Bunny and Clyde. And just like how Bunny and Clyde were on a mission to create chaos and commit crimes, one TikToker was on a mission, although she wasn't going to commit a crime. She did go all the way to Korea from Los Angeles to cut off a look from Ensoul Tower. But JP is here to give us more news on that one. Breaking news. A woman recently traveled from Los Angeles to Seoul to remove an old love lock that she and her ex had attached in Ensoul Tower, where uh, people usually travel. They go to the top of the tower and they, you know, get a cute little love-shaped heart-shaped padlock or something and they lock it just as a symbol of their love between couples and such so this woman her name is cassie young she posted a tiktok video about her cool epic journey which has attracted around 5 million views to date she spent around 30 minutes searching for the lock on top of that tower which she locked with her ex-partner in 2019 she just used one wire cutter snipped it off she didn't go to korea just to like cut the lock right she had an actual business trip to do and she said it was a detour no way she was going on the trip and she remembered oh yeah i locked something with my ex that i don't like anymore so i'm just gonna go there make a story in tiktok boom so yeah i don't know where to go with this would you guys be crazy enough to do this sort of thing i don't know how petty are you (laughs) that's That's the thing about love it does make you quite petty you know that's how it is I've been to Ensoul Tower and there is so mm. many locks really everywhere. So like props to her for finding it within oh 30 minutes Wait, and snipping us, that off. Yeah, give us a visual image of Ensoul. So where exactly do they lock the locks? So it's at the top of a mountain and in that mountain there's like an area. There's like an actual tower which you can go up. But at the bottom uh-huh. of that area, there's like a little walkway Path and ah. like you can take a what you call it a carriage a wire carriage up through that area and it's just like a nice little walk around or like a good look over of Seoul for like night views and stuff like that. Basically, it's the place for couples and stuff for like dates and cute stuff. Yeah, and so along the walkways and bridges sort of areas, there's locks just everywhere and it's super colorful. Whoa! And there's like writings on there and it's just it's sweet. Like right along the railing, just like full. It looks like a wall, right? Yeah, some of it looks like a wall of just locks. Can you still see from the top of the tower? Or is it just locks all around? So it's not the top of the tower because the tower's a specific thing on its own. It's at the bottom, kind of like a lobby, but outside of that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I would do that though. I wouldn't go and find it. I'd just like forget about it. If I could try. I'm not that dedicated. In a way, though, it depends on how psychologically important that relationship was to you, you know? Maybe it was like, maybe this is a pilgrimage of some sort to ease your mind for ritual. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> dude. Don't ask me. Aaron, would you would you do this? To go over there? Just to see all that stuff? Yeah, pretty much. But I'm still not taking a plane. I'd rather take a boat, but... It's just- <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, other than that... Like the massive lock pit you mentioned, is it something like you see, like, I think it's London that does it as well, like from one bridge to the next? Um, Actually, Paris is the one that does it, Ooh. but they've, they used yeah, to have one in Melbourne as well, where they've told oh. people to stop doing it because it was weighing the bridge down. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Uh, so they removed them all, which is sad, but. Dude, that's that's the power of love, man. It, can... <laughs> it weighs you down, <laughs> weighs down the bridge. Yeah, it can break bridges. That's how big it is. I kind of want to see that now, to be honest. Just the what, bridge, bridge falling apart. Yeah. Like, the bridge is falling down. Like... Yeah, look at all this love. I also want to know, like, what exactly, like, what was the origin story of people, well, putting locks and all that stuff? Like, what was the origin story of it? I think it comes from Paris where if you lock a lock on a bridge, it was to signify that your love was forever. And, like, you throw the key into the river, so that means it's eternal. But, like, wow, that's... if you break up, <laughs> you want to cut that off. Aye, aye. What I'd Man, want to do is find romantic. the key again and then try In the and water. Lock it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do with the key on in Soul Tower? Um, actually, at in Soul Tower they sell the locks, but they don't sell it with keys. Oh, oh okay. Oh, no, that's worse. <laughs> that's why you need a wire clipper to just like cut right. that off. <laughs> but yeah, imagine doing that to everyone, taking their padlocks off. Yeah, just like cut it down. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. I think at that point they just cut the railing. <laughs> yeah, literally, they just cut just the railing. Just replace the railing. Like, yeah, it that's too much it. work. That sounds kind of fun. Breaking well, I mean, people's loves off. Breaking <laughs> people's love locks off. But you know, I imagine in the far, far future when humanity is gone and the future humans dig up all of this stuff, it must be pretty impressive, don't you think? I think they would be pretty like, whoa, what's the meaning of this, like, ooh, this lock thing? I don't know, ancient archaeology. <laughs> yeah. So if you broke up with your ex, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we would never wish that on a person. No, no, never. All right. But either way, if you got anything interesting to say about love locks in general, if you got anything interesting to say about the concept of love in general, it's a very big topic. Let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to know what you've got in your head. <laughs> You just heard Sneakers by Ha Sung Woon. And before that was Della's Foolish Heart. And you've reached the end of our show. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you liked tonight's music and discussions. If you missed any of our discussions, you can find them on our Asian Pop Nation podcast, wherever you listen and stream your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation to hear of all of our updates, theme shows, and also to find our playlists. If you liked any of the songs we played tonight, you can find the song you're looking for there. And if you're interested in joining the team, you can also message us on our social media platforms because we always love to have some more people join our Daikazuku, our big family. But we're going to play a song to keep you in anticipation. It'll be a hint for what will be to come either in next week's show or the week after. And that song is Magnet by Minato featuring Hatsune Miku and Migurene Luka. After that, we're also going to play Genie High featuring Chanmina and their song Kyashana Rippu and Cinema Staff's Midnight Sun. So thanks again for listening. Do stick around for the last three songs and we'll catch you again next week. This is Asian Pop Nation's executive producer, Senya, on behalf of the team, signing off. Thank you.